Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan, where we go over investing strategies, books, and philosophies to get you where you want to be in life. Today, we're going to talk about the permitting process. A lot of you who are new to the game probably don't really know how to deal with the city. I know I definitely didn't, and it's not something that they usually teach in books or courses. This is something that you have to deal with on a constant basis, and I really got my understanding of how it worked by talking to other investors who are actually doing it. So this is why mentorship is very important because at some point, the books only tell you so much. You have to ask or have some guide to ask these strange miscellaneous questions. Now, first things first, I have to admit that for most of my projects, at least here in the Bay Area, we can get away with not actually pulling permits. And the reason is because our buyer doesn't really care that much. See, in the Silicon Valley Bay Area, the homes are in so much demand. There are just no inventory. Our average days on market is, again, maybe 19 days versus three months for other areas. So when there's a market on the property, you usually, you usually have multiple bidders, and they're all bidding way above listing price, putting down ridiculous terms like, no contingencies, close within 30 days, you know, 30% down payment. It's nuts. And because of this, people, as long as it looks nice and it, you know, it looks structurally sound, they won't complain and they won't ask for a permit. This strategy may not work for other places. Some places, even in California, Northern California, the clientele is very picky and they want every single thing permitted. <clears throat> so like I said before, usually when we do our work, we just kind of go, go quickly, make sure it's good. But by going through the permitting process, it takes up a lot of time. So we actually don't do it. Well, for my latest project in Santa Clara, I decided I wanted to do everything the right way. And so I decided to get permits. And that's what this podcast today is about. The whole permitting process. So again, to give you some more backstory, usually we wouldn't get a permit unless we're doing some significant work. <clears throat> if it's too obvious, like getting a kitchen done or a bathroom, sure, we'll pull a permit because those are called over-the-counter permits or OTC. Those are no big deal because you just go on the website and you buy your permit for a couple hundred bucks, pay with a credit card, and then you have your contractor schedule the inspection with the city inspector, and it's no big deal. But for something more involved, it has to go through city planning. And you don't want to go through that unless you're doing significant work, such as adding square footage, or changing the layout of the house, or adding rooms or bathrooms. For example, if you're, if you're trying to convert a two-bedroom, one-bathroom house into a five-bedroom, three-bedroom, a five-bedroom, three-bathroom house, then of course, it makes sense to go through planning. Because if you do all that work under the table, when you list the property on the market, sure, they're gonna see this giant mansion with five beds and three bathrooms, but on the record, it's still gonna say that this home is only worth, it's only two bed and one bath. And that's not okay. Same thing with square footage. You can claim, oh, look at this giant house I made, 3,000 square foot. But hey, the records say it's only 1,200 square feet. So they'll probably only give you 1200 square feet worth of your purchase price. So if you're adding square footage, then it's worth it to go through the whole process. So 
without further ado, let's go on what actually happens. So first things first, you buy the property and you decide what do you want to do. There are different limitations to what you can do. For example, there are some uh, offsets to the left and right of the house as well as the front and the back. Some cities say you have to be 15 feet from the curb. Some say you have to be 10 feet from each side on the left side and the right side. Some of them is only five feet. So it really depends city by city. And they have all that information online. I also found that if you just call the city, the building department, they'll tell you all the information and they're actually really nice. So don't be scared to talk to them. So here's what we end up doing with our property in Santa Clara. When I first purchased the property, I thought there was gonna be a great opportunity to do some value add. There was this patio that just happened to be on the outside of the house. The original house had this weird jigsaw looking shape on the outside and this patio made it into a nice rectangle. So I thought, oh, I could easily add 200 square feet to this house by just adding more square footage. But after talking to a lot of contractors and finding out that it's actually incredibly expensive to add just a little bit of square footage, we decided, never mind, we won't do it. But since I brought the architects through anyways, they said, you know what, what we can do is the layout of this house is actually pretty poor. It was made back in the 50s and it's a three bed, two bathroom, but each individual room size is incredibly small. And the master bathroom was also very, very tiny. So it doesn't appeal to a lot of people. He said, you know what, we can just reshuffle some of these walls, change the bathroom locations, convert a living room into a new master bedroom and bathroom. Take the master bathroom that currently exists and the hallway bathroom, since they're right next to each other, break down the wall and make that into one giant communal bathroom. So basically we're converting a 3-2 with very small rooms and very small bathrooms into a 4-2 where one bathroom is basically two bathrooms combined and we're creating a brand new master uh, bed and bath. And the layout just looks amazing afterwards. So we say, okay, sounds like a great idea. So I purchased this property sometime in May. And after getting a lot of bids and trying to figure out what to do, finally we started work getting the planning done in early June. I went on this long Vipassana retreat for 10 days. It was great. I learned how to meditate in silence. And meanwhile, my team was working on the architects or the architectural design. So the architect came in, did all the measurements, and that was really cool too. They have this nifty software that basically makes your house look exactly as it is on the, on the computer. And then they took about a couple, about a month to create this new drawing, and then they sent it out to their structural engineer. Now, I have a sample size of one, so I can't really say how uh, what, are the, what are the averages for how long this takes, but this whole process took quite some time because there are a lot of serial points. Like the structural engineer can't look at designs until the designs are done. So the architect has to go first and you can't go through planning until the architects and the structural engineers are done. So all these things have to be finished in serial. Nothing can be done in parallel. And we can't start work until the final plans are completely approved. So yeah, there's a lot of waiting time. Again, it's not worth doing this in, unless you know you're gonna make more money with this value add opportunity. So yeah, he sent a structural. Structural took 
between three weeks and a month. Again, it could be shorter, could be faster. It depends on how quickly your structural engineer works, how much other work do they have, and if they have any other personal things going on in their lives. After that's done, then we have to submit the complete plans to the city and the city planning department. And then they actually had a public hearing for it where we had to um, put this like giant sign right in front of the house saying, yes, this is what we're going to do to the home. We're going to convert it from a 3-2 into a 4-2, not change the square footage or the outside envelope. And they sent out mail to every home within 300 feet of our subject property. So when the day came of the public hearing, which was just a couple of days ago, uh, I was getting nervous because I thought there could be some neighbor who doesn't want me to make my three bed, two bath into a four bed, two bath. And I went up there and some guy had a flyer and I saw the flyer had my address on it. So I went up to him and said, oh, hey, are you guys here for the council meeting too? And he was cool. He was just saying, oh yeah, I just want to learn about the process because I've seen a lot of other homes doing similar stuff. My layout looks just as bad as yours and I want to find out what, it, what does it take to make it into a nicer place. And I said, all right, great. So I became friends with him and he didn't complain during the meeting. And it was really funny because my project really didn't have too much change. It got approved almost immediately. They said, yeah, let it go. So I really didn't have to sit through. But it was interesting because I've never been to that before. So anyways, I hope that helped. This was just a very quick overview. Again, this was my first time doing something like that. Lessons learned. I, I probably wouldn't do this again unless I really was doing significant value add. So now I know if I were to buy another flip, I would not only do 200 square foot addition. If I were to plan on doing addition when I purchased the property, I would say at least 500 square feet you need to add at least 500 square feet to make it worth it. Otherwise, there's no point in doing a value add. And it's really, I found that in our area, it's really not that worth it to change from a three bed, two bath to a four bed, two bath. But hey, it was an interesting experiment. So we're going to go and roll with it. And the city council meeting is actually pretty interesting too, because you see some big movers and players. Like it's not just people who are dealing with single family homes. There are people from these giant corporations who are creating these mega structures that have to go to this exact same meeting. And I was really tempted to like hand out my business card to some of these guys and ask them, Hey, do you guys have an opening? Can I work with you guys? Can I learn from you guys? It was pretty fun. Anyways, that was another episode of the everything real estate investing show with Sean Pan, where we go over investing strategies, books, and philosophies to get you where you want to be in life. Take care and see you next time.